Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is PhotoLog. Welcome to the show. If you tuned in last week when we were talking about going to school or not, we teased right at the end of the episode that uh, we were going to discuss working for free next time. And that is what we're here to do today. Dun, dun, dun. Working for free. It is a huge topic and a topic of much contention in the photography community. And today we're going to discuss it. Yes. Should you work for free? The answer is no. Never. Absolutely not. Don't do it. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, of course, kidding a little bit, uh, but we're going to get into the minutia of that uh, today. Mm-hmm. So I want to start with kind of an order of events, uh, kind of lay out the different kinds of working for free that we're talking about today. So we're going to be talking about internships. Uh, those are super popular. We're going to be talking about TFP, which you if you aren't familiar, is time for photos or time for prints. And uh, that is when people get together and no one pays anybody and you just do a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about working for exposure, which... Oh. <laughs> um, uh, but I want to start all of this with a, a quote and kind of a philosophy from a hero of ours, Chase Jarvis. And then uh, another added caveat to that uh, that we have. So something that Chase says is when you are choosing to take on a job, you must have two out of these three things. Otherwise, you should say no. Those three things are money, portfolio, or relationships. So breaking that down a little bit, you got to pay your bills. If the money is good, that's obviously a huge a huge plus, right? Otherwise, you'll die of exposure. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> Your landlord does not take rent in exposure. Nope. Um, The next one is portfolio. So if it's something that is really amazing that you would love to do, um, you want to have those Nike shoes and say that you actually had an ad campaign for them. You want to be able to hang out the side of a helicopter, which is the thing this guy did. Um, (laughs) You want to uh, be able to do a shoot for Ferrari or Mercedes, another thing this guy did. Those are really cool things that you can say that you did that can bring in more work. So that is a legit reason. Um, And the last thing is relationships. If you are working with really cool people or you're building a networking relationship... Uh, whether that is with, uh, you know, just kind of with people that are like-minded that you enjoy working with that energize you, or whether that is someone like a creative director that you know, maybe this project's not great, but building that relationship with them, they have a huge funnel of stuff that they they love working with you and will continue to send stuff to you. Mm-hmm. So, so if you have at least two of these three, three things, that is the... Yes, you should do it. If it's just money, but the project sucks and the people suck, it's not worth doing. Um, if it's just the portfolio piece, but you're working for free and you know it's not leading anywhere, that's not good. Uh, and then if you're doing something for a friend, but there's no money in it and the project sucks, well... You can you can choose to do that if you want to, but <laughs> probably not the best use of your time. 
um so yeah that that is the chase jarvis you know triangle triumvirate of when you should choose to work for free and then we're going to kind of apply that to the different different types of working that we're doing today um this is actually uh when we were going through show notes we came up with another another thing that we wanted to add on top of that though uh stewart i'm, I'm gonna let you take that one since you're you're more familiar with it Sure. So um, I would say that the the fourth aspect that you should uh, take into account when you're working for free is um, is volunteering or charity or just something that makes you feel good that you believe in the cause. Um, I do a lot of volunteering. Um, one of my or probably my most m- most notable volunteer the one that role takes your is, most time at least takes the most time is uh, is at the Seattle Aquarium where I'm an aquarium diver and I dive there for free. Um, and, uh, I do shows and educate the public and do all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's doing a lot of work for free, but it, the aquarium is, uh, the, their mission and goals are things that I believe in. Um, I really like the experience, um, and just that volunteering, that volunteering experience in general there is worth, uh, doing for free uh, in my opinion and in the opinion of many other volunteers like myself. Um, so I, I would say that, um, a slight caveat to Chase Jarvis's sound advice is if it's a cause that you just truly believe in and that makes you feel good to do for free, I think that is valid too. But those are probably few and far between and you should be very selective about them. <laughs> there yeah. there uh there are definitely a few things uh that that I I've done um that mm-hmm. are in that kind of more charity based thing. Um mm-hmm. there was uh I mentioned uh just a minute ago that I got to hang out the side of a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Well, that was for the Snohomish County Rescue Helicopter team and they lost their federal funding and they needed a video to be able to play at their fundraiser to show people why this is important. Um, so that was something that it, they were great people. It was a great cause and it's, it's, I wanted to help. So mm-hmm. there are times where just, if you believe in something and you want to do it, take that love, take that passion, throw it into that cause, do it. It is a labor of love. Don't, yep. don't expect it to get returns other than giving back, but there's something huge to giving back to your community. Um, I know things like help portrait, and um, I know Peter Hurley's doing a new one to help people uh, get back on their feet for business headshots for um, uh, anyone who's lost their job in COVID and is looking for more work and you need mm-hmm. a headshot. Um, I will be doing something similar here in the near future. But uh, yeah, so there are definitely ways to give back to those around you and your community and charity. And that is that is fantastic add on. But um Besides that, the, we're kind of focusing on these other three um, for most of the conversation today. Definitely. <clears throat> Definitely. Um, so, yeah, we talked about internships, TFP, and working for exposure. So let's just take it from the top. Internships, especially unpaid internships. This is a huge <sighs> topic. <laughs> <sighs> Makes me want to rip this luscious hair out. All right. Uh, uh, I, I do want to start with what is the definition of... Of an internship. So Mm -hmm. technically, the legal definition of an internship is a company should be pouring more resources into the intern than they are getting as benefit from the work that that intern does. So what this means is that if you're just doing like coffee runs or if you're actually doing production work for them that they are billing (laughs) clients for, then they need to be pouring more into you 
than mm. you are giving to that company. So an employee, the whole point of an employee is the employee earns more for the company than the company pays the employee. So that way the company can make a profit and, you know, hire more employees and stuff. Um, an internship should not be that. Otherwise, they need to pay you. Yes, exactly. Um, and sadly, uh, th this continues to be a problem. There are a few paid internships out there. It's usually if you're an engineer or software developer or something like that. Um, but in the arts, uh, unpaid internships are the... Incredibly common. Yeah, the I mean, they're... my existence. Yeah, they're just what everybody does, sadly. Um, they can work out. Um, so I will say that I, I did a, uh, an unpaid internship that I think was, was worth my time, and that was working at a radio station. Um, I was actually on-air talent, um, amazingly enough. They, they just gave me the, uh, the shot to, uh, to try that out. And they spent a lot of time teaching me and uh, getting me up to speed on how to work in radio and giving me all these opportunities. And um, I did do real work, but I think it was at least net neutral, if not net negative, considering how many people they had to have uh, help me throughout my time there. And so I feel like that's a great example of a of, a, of an internship that is done correctly, where there's a significant investment from the company or organization um, that you're that you're working for. Uh, yeah, but they they most were giving of them are not you, like that. They were giving you access and resources, and mm. they were paying employees to yes. not do their jobs and teach exactly. you stuff. Exactly, and that that is a in those kind of situations that if you're doing an internship like that, that is it's still unfortunate that you're not getting paid because who doesn't like getting paid? But that's at least how it should be um uh, that sadly is uh not the case for i would say probably the majority of unpaid internships theoretically nowadays. i nowadays. i i personally think that i mean un unpaid internships it is very classist mm -hmm. to like people can't afford to do unpaid things yeah um yeah. so so that that kind of restricts it more so i so i hate it for that reason too mm -hmm. but um i really think um if you like can get college credit Mm -hmm. for this internship then instead of paying a school to go to a class where they say click open all right and now we're going to take the next 20 minutes to show you how a curves layer adjustment works and mm -hmm. then here's how you click the save button like those i've done those classes and they suck um <laughs> if you can get an internship and get that you know college credit instead of this other thing then unpaid internships i i think that's awesome but yep. instead of a paid production work that's uh, mm -hmm. they should at least pay you something but um no the whole point of an internship is you should be getting more out of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and, and you're really getting an, edu an, edu an education uh for your time i mean i i didn't know really anything about radio production and i walked in there um with no knowledge and they brought me totally up to the point where i was com comfortable doing entire radio productions for hours and hours at a time um and that's pretty valuable knowledge uh going forward into the future so i was paying for that knowledge with my time instead of with money if i went to a program that taught radio production at a school instead um so it really is if an, an in ideal unpaid internship is still an exchange you're not working for free you're working in exchange for an education Here's here's a quote that I knew would come up at some point during this episode. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman, <laughs> the Joker. If you're good at something, never do it for free, right? Exactly. <laughs> we we've all heard this. We've all we've all probably said it a couple of times. Uh, there's there's a few things in that we I want to break down. One, if you're good at something, mm -hmm. if you're not, get good. 
Yep. <laughs> learn, practice, get, like learn the things that you need, master that craft, get really good at it. And some of these opportunities that we're talking about are ways to get that. Uh, the second thing is never do it for free. You need to get something out of it. That something doesn't always need to be money. Nope. Money, portfolio, relationships, or uh, labor love, right? <laughs> yes. So as long as you're getting, you know, I, I like to say at least two of those things. Mm-hmm. So the money, portfolio, relationships, or our added labor of love. As long as you're getting some mm-hmm. of those things out of it, then you're not free. Mm-hmm. You're getting something to compensate for the time, effort, energy, and resources you are putting into the thing you're doing. Exactly. Um, so I think that covers internships. Uh, let's talk about the next one here, TFP. So um, I've done a lot of TFP. I'm actually part of a few TFP groups. Uh, one of the two things that I will say about TFP groups, one, people grossly misunderstand what it actually is. And two, I get a lot of questions about when do you work for free and when does a photographer pay a model and when does a model pay a photographer? So here's this diagram. If you're listening to it on podcasts only, uh, you can also watch this with, uh, see these diagrams and our beautiful faces on my YouTube channel, but I will break it down for you. How you decide who pays what or if you pay is... One, it's who goes to who, Mm -hmm. and two, it's who has more talent and experience. So if you are both beginners and neither of you know what you're doing, excellent TFP situation. If you are both intermediate or advanced, basically if you're both on the same level and you have a creative idea that will work for both of your portfolios, let's get together and help each other out. That is the essence of time for photos. Where it gets more complicated is when you are mixing experience levels. If you have an advanced photographer, hey, how you doing? And you have a beginner model, that advanced photographer is not, they they have a portfolio already. They are not getting a lot out of working with a new model, but the model is getting a lot of value out of working with that experienced photographer. So that is where the model would pay the photographer to basically quick start their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Cause if that model were to work with a far less experienced photographer for either less money or no money, they would not get the same quality as quickly as they would otherwise. Likewise, if you are a new photographer and you have no idea what you're doing and you're like, you know what? I just need to work with a model who knows what they're doing so I can focus on camera and lighting and the other stuff that's not modeling because that's not my forte. I'm not there yet. Hire a model. Let them do their thing and let them elevate your photos. So kind of whoever is more experienced is the person who gets paid is kind of the shorthand of that. But the other thing too is um, who comes to who. So I, as a photographer, there are a few things that my portfolio lacks. And if I have the time, money, and resources to go find that. um, So one of the things that uh, my portfolio is lacking, specifically like in my boudoir portfolio, 
is a dark-skinned models. So um, there is something about being able to shoot a light-skinned person and a dark-skinned person differently because their skin looks different on camera, and a lot of photographers have no idea how to light models with darker skin. So if you don't show that then a client who has darker skin will say, well, I've had bad photos taken of me. You don't have any examples of people who look like me in your portfolio. I don't trust that you can take those photos and make me look good. Yep. So if your portfolio is lacking that, then I would go out and I would say, hey, my boudoir portfolio needs some darker skinned models. I would hire those models because that's a thing I need. It's not necessarily a thing they need, even if I'm more experienced. Likewise, if a model needs headshots, it doesn't matter how good of a model they are. They got a haircut. They got something and they look different now. They need new headshots. Well, a photographer who already has a bunch of headshots, they need to pay that photographer for headshots because you're the one who has the need. So half of the equation is who is more experienced. The other half of the equation is who has the need and are both parties getting something out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. For more on uh, TFP-related discussions, you should check out episode 10, How to Collaborate. <laughs> yes. That'll, yes. Help you, um, that'll help you navigate um, some of these um, ideas and situations around collaborating with somebody who you have less equal or more experience with and how to get something, how, how to set it up so that both parties get something, whether that's money or, or something for their portfolio or, or um, a relationship. Yes. The the times that I see TFP fail mm-hmm. are when people... Uh, t- two times I see it fail. One is when people undervalue themselves. A photographer who has a huge stable of work, they have great photos, they do excellent work, but they tell themselves, oh, I'm not really that good, I can't really charge people yet, I should keep practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a time where it's like, okay, if you, if you already have a job and you don't need the money and you just kind of love doing it, like, cool. But if your goal is to become a full-time photographer, you got to take off the training wheels and, and you have to believe in yourself and tell people, Hey, I, I have work. Mm-hmm. It's like people in the dating scene and just like, I just want to be friends. I have enough friends. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so there's that. Uh, the other time I see it fail is when people misunderstand the fundamental idea of what this arrangement is supposed to be for. So I see that most in like, hey, me and my boyfriend, we're pretty good looking. So anyone want to take couples pictures of us in exchange for your portfolio? No, 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 that's not time for prints. That's working for exposure, which let's talk about now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, working for exposure. Um, probably the most uh, repeated phrase in the industry right now and probably has been that way for a number of years. <laughs> I, I get that email at least once a week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's not convincing, let's put it that way. <laughs> so generally, it comes from, hi, I am some type of influencer, whether it's an Instagram influencer or a big company with deep pockets who just is cheap and doesn't want to pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, and by doing this free work for me, you will have a platform of tons of people that will see your work. Well, if, if 
those people are interested in buying shoes, not buying photography, then my photography of your shoes will do absolutely nothing. Pretty much, pretty much. You need to, uh, especially with the big companies, um, they have a marketing budget, so don't let them get away with uh, not paying you. (laughs) Don't let them pocket that. (laughs) The artist dies of exposure. You cannot pay your rent in exposure. No. Um, So I would say... Uh, when we talked about the Chase Jarvis money portfolio relationships, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some people may misconstrue exposure Mm -hmm. for relationship. Yep. Yeah. Some people, um, genuinely it's, it doesn't come from malice or they're trying to be cheap. Some people genuinely think, oh, well, I mean, I'm providing you an audience. Uh, you know, the, the, that's, that's building a relationship. You're getting access to my audience or the audience of a company, so to speak. But that audience is really not going to convert as well as you think, if at all. Is that your audience? Mm-mm. So I've, um, I had a blogger in Australia tell me like, hey, I have a huge following. I would love to do your cosplay photo booth on my blog and just like, just like do that. And I was sitting here thinking like, so you're getting the clicks and ad revenue and whatever from my photography. Mm-hmm. And it is a Comic-Con photo booth in Seattle, Washington. It basically ranges from Seattle to Portland. I have absolutely no audience in Australia. That Like, they're not going to... If you're listening to this in Australia, hi, welcome, <laughs> thanks, I appreciate it. But no, uh, what I mean is, like, for that particular product, I literally get no value out of spreading that product unless you can physically be at the convention I'm at, which is here. Or so somebody pays I have you. zero crossover audience with this random blogger. Yeah, or if so, or if uh, somebody pays you big money to fly to Australia and work at a convention there. <laughs> I mean, which, that'd be dope, but I I I doubt it. Yeah, which would be cool, but uh, <laughs> uh, that seems like a remote possibility. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so uh, this this whole this whole question of of working for exposure uh, exposure as you as you said earlier exposure only really Let's roll works that back 10 seconds sorry <laughs> so this whole question of working for exposure as you said earlier exposure only works when your audiences are one in the same um which is very rare um i mean generally people are going after some sort of business uh, niche some sort of uh audience that they're targeting and when is your audience the people that you're trying to get money out of ever the exact same as the audience of somebody of somebody who's approaching you to work for exposure i i have been approached for to work for exposure many many times literally never once have our audiences actually been one in the same Um, when i was young and stupid i I thought great exposure Mm -hmm. i would love to get myself in front of more people and it has worked Zero times. Yep. Zero um, times. So I think the diff- the key difference is if someone approaches you and says, hey, boy, do I have an opportunity for you? Let's work for exposure. Uh, run away very mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference is reverse that role. So you approach a company and you say, hey, you have a huge following that I would benefit from. I would love to do this for you. The difference is that it's not some rando. It is someone that you have very specifically researched and targeted as a good 
fit for you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that that would be the only time that working for exposure. And then they'll would be... say like, "Yeah, you can do free work. Sounds great." Yeah, yeah, that would be the only time that it would really be appropriate. If you if you've done if you've run the numbers, if you've done the research, if the the audience of this particular uh, person or company really is who you're trying to target, and you think you will get uh, conversions out of that, then at least paid conversions, then yeah, maybe you approaching them and and working for exposure to a very limited degree is appropriate. Um, but that doesn't always work out because oftentimes uh, if you do free work for somebody and they refer you to somebody else, whether that's their buddies yep. or whether that's their audience and they say, hey, this person did great work for me, that doesn't uh, generally convert to paid work. It often is more of the same. Oh, for sure. Let's definitely mm-hmm. talk about conversions and referrals for a mm-hmm. second before mm-hmm. we wrap this up. Yeah. Um, the best example I have is weddings since I shoot so many of them. So when I have a very low-budget, pain-in-the-butt wedding client who they want an eight-hour day, but they are only willing to pay for three, so they try and cram an entire wedding day into that one little thing, and then it turns out to a chaotic mess, and those clients actually end up being, like, the most demanding, uh, like, retouching-wise and change-wise. Uh, those type of clients are the reason why my contract now reads you get one re- set of revisions after your album for free. After that, you have to pay every time you want revisions. Mm. Uh, those clients will refer like clients. So yeah, maybe you do get a lot of referrals, but you're going to get a lot of low-budget, pain-in-the-butt people that want the world from you, and that that is going to cause the most stress in your life and in your business. Whereas my higher paying clients um, who just say, I love you and your art make me look gorgeous. Go. They're the most low maintenance, wonderful people in the world and the people I love working with. And they have friends like themselves. So when they refer people, they are referring people like themselves. Exactly. So when you work for free for someone, you will become known as the guy who works for free. And all of those referrals will come to you also expecting you to work for free. Mm -hmm. Because you worked for free for them. So why won't you work for free for me? Correct. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Best to just avoid setting that precedent and essentially never working for free, never working for exposure at all. It's yeah, just yeah. Bad news. That's, uh, I actually do have another little bonus tip to add on top of that Definitely. one. Definitely, people don't appreciate what they get for free. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Um, something that uh, I've actually done uh, when, whenever I work for family, and I'm not going to charge them. Whenever uh, when I say family, I mean like uh, like your parents. If your mom did, you know, 36 hours of labor, do free photos for your mom. Stop being a jerk. Um, Another time where it's appropriate uh, to work for free. Or or anyone who you owe a kidney to. Like, Mm -hmm. these these are the people you work for free. Everyone else, no, they can can pay your full rate. Um, But whenever I do that or whenever I do charity work as well, I will include an invoice. And I will say, this is the amount of work that I have done for you. This is the actual value that has been provided. Mm -hmm. Your total due is still zero. Mm -hmm. But I throw in that invoice to show them that there was value in that work. Because before I started doing that, they don't care. Mm -hmm. 
or if they don't care, they just, it might not be that they don't care, but they might just not know. So this is a great uh, thing to do potentially for even some of like your, the work you're doing as sort of a volunteer, not like a diver like I am, but, um, but doing this kind of billable work as a volunteer for something that you really believe in, uh, that this really helps people to give them context for what your labor costs, uh, what your, the service you're providing costs. Oftentimes, providing them with an invoice like this not only helps them appreciate what they're getting for free, but that's something that they can run up the chain and say, hey, maybe we should have a budget for this in the future. Or, hey, look at the 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 value that we're getting out of the service. This is worth paying for. Or all sorts of different things. At the very least, they can go to higher, you know, higher levels in their organization and uh, and talk about what a great thing was done and how much this is helpful and how much they mm-hmm. saved as a result of your very kind contributions. Maybe you get uh, something named after you, a brick or something. Who knows? <laughs> but but at the very least, they're appreciating more what they're getting for free with a little bit of context. Otherwise, they don't know and they almost certainly have no context in their own lives to understand that kind of value. So it's a good thing to provide it to them. Yeah. uh, Back when I was in college, I got, I think it was like a $40 concert ticket or something in exchange for a bunch of work I did for this organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I did maybe about a thousand dollars worth of work and they got mad at me that I wasn't holding up my end of the bargain. And Mm. this was, this is why you don't do stuff without a contract and you don't do stuff for free. And if you do something for free, you tell them what you're worth. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that was that was the worst, man. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, also think about it as maybe helping uh, other people in the industry down the line. Like anytime you work for free, you run the risk of devaluing your work, but also devaluing the work of the industry you're in. Um, so providing that context when you do work for free uh, helps retain that value in the public consciousness and helps uh, helps others down the road to be appreciated as well. I, I think more than just devaluing, though, it, mm-hmm. it comes down to educating the clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if someone doesn't understand, they, they say, like, what's your event photography budget? And they're like, I don't know, like 100 bucks. And you're like, hard pass. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no thanks. But the thing is, they had a huge budget for this event. They just had no idea what to put towards photography so they guessed Mm -hmm. so part of that is if you just take it then they now have been educated to say that is the proper amount of budget to put towards photography for the next photographer Mm -hmm. at Um, least you're giving them the opportunity to make that choice like maybe they're still going to be cheap and they're not going to put that that budget aside but you'd be surprised there are some good people out there who don't realize and in the future uh, after they've been provided that that information and been educated the there are people that genuinely are like wow we really do need to put a budget toward this in the future this is worth paying for um, and if you don't educate them that will never happen regardless of their personal thoughts on the matter I, I have another bonus tip. I'm, I'm full of bonus tips today. Bonuses. Um, if you agree to be the $50 photographer, mm-hmm. then you will never be the $5,000 photographer. Mm-hmm. When they have a budget for $5,000, they will not hire you. Mm-hmm. They already know they got you for 50 bucks. They will go with someone else who charges 5000 and values themselves mm-hmm. as such. So 
So uh, it is better to say no to these low ball, bad offers, know your value and be able to close those high value uh, clients who actually love, adore your work and value you the way you value you. Yeah, there's a concept called price anchoring, which basically means like you set the expectations for the client based off of your your price. Um, and oftentimes you'll see uh, you'll see three price tiers for many many things, whether this is products or services. And there'll be a a really really high price tier, a medium price tier, and a low price tier. And the high price tier generally exists as an anchor to show, oh, well, um, you know, hopefully people will spring for that high price tier. But if they don't, then the medium price tier um, or even the low price tier, which might still be very lucrative, uh, looks a lot more reasonable um, to pay for as a result of that price anchoring um, by the high price tier. So if you price anchor yourself as a $50 photographer, um, you'll never get over that. You'll never be able to reset um, that anchor that you have put there with the not client. Not for that client. Well, at least, yeah, not for that client. Um, you, yeah. It's a lesson to learn and move forward on in that case because that client is never going to go back. But for future clients, you need to set those appropriate prices so that you don't um, you don't mess things up for yourselves later down the, yourself later down the road. Yeah, so one, one of the things that we talked about in this episode is that the client has no idea what photography costs or why you are so expensive. So part of that is being able to educate them about the value they're getting, which I think this would be a great topic for our next episode. Why is photography expensive? Uh, also, why do they absolutely not care? So how should you educate them in a way that they that they should care and value you yep, about it's, it. It's not always malice. Sometimes it's just a question of education. So yeah, let's definitely talk about why photography is expensive uh, next episode. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo-op.show. Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at non-creative. As in om nom nom. Share this with a friend and you can listen to Photo Op anywhere podcasts are sold. Or download it. Cause it's free.